I think some drinks were flowing on that flight home from Vegas. <laughs> I mean, come on now. I, I've been with some friends that have had to be escorted off a flight home from Vegas because they just can't take the hangover. Um, boy, I, I don't know. It could be a little bit of a headache for some Colts players waking up today, but a well-deserved headache uh, because they were exactly that to the Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever the hell they are called, Raiders, man. <laughs> Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. And Chris Presley, more importantly, is back. Great to have you, man. Feels so good to be back. I want to thank Mark and Ross for doing a great job in my absence, but due to company policies, had to sit out for 14 days just as a contact tracing protocol, but back ready to talk about an excellent victory all around yesterday. All around, certainly. I thought one of the more impressive efforts of the season considering uh, what was at stake, really. And uh, a quick shout-out to Ross Lubbers. He told everybody to bet the over. Boom. Uh, the over hit in yeah. a big, big way yesterday. Hell, the Colts almost hit the over by themselves. Uh, you know, we, we talked all last week, uh, be the bully. You know, that was a big phrase I kept on using. I felt like the Colts got bullied in their own stadium last year against this team. And yet, was it perfect in the trenches? No. And we'll get into that today. But I thought for the most part, they outbullied the Raiders. And specifically, I thought Jonathan Abram, who tries to do a lot of bullying, I thought he kind of got thrown out of the club a couple times. And Michael Pittman had that huge block on him on the Wildcat touchdown. But... You know, to execute like that, Chris, in, in, in that sort of game, that, that tells me something. You know, you think back to prior years when the Colts have missed the playoffs, it's not like they've missed it by, you know, five games. You know, they've had these games. Last year, it was kind of Thanksgiving into December. You had Houston on a Thursday nighter in, on, on Thanksgiving or uh, late in, uh, in November. You had the Titans right after that. Boom, you lose both of those games, now you're done. You know, the prior year you had the Week 17 game in Nashville. You win that game, that's the game to get in. The years before that, those big December matchups with Houston, you lost both of those. This had that feel to me. It's not divisional, but it had that feel where I know the Colts still got to do more in the play to get into the playoffs and definitely clinch a berth. But unless they fall on their face, they're getting in the playoffs. Right. And yesterday just sealed that. So I thought it was really, really impressive and – uh, extreme balance offensively. The defense, that playmaking continues to show up. And, you know, they, they went four straight on the road. Like, that's something. It is. We probably haven't given enough attention to. You know, I talked earlier in the year when they were going to Chicago for that week four matchup, they hadn't won a road game in over a year. Mm -hmm. And now you've won four straight, which ties the longest mark for the franchise since 2009. Like, I, I get it. 2020's crazy. And,. <laughs> You know, you're playing games, you know, empty stadiums and whatnot. You win four straight on the road. That's saying something. Yeah. And this team, with the way the AFC is this season, every week has been so big. I tweeted before the game, it seems like every week we talk about, this is the biggest game of the year. This is the biggest game of the year. They continue to find ways to win other than, you know, that, that disappointment against Tennessee when you had a, a couple key players out, which to me wasn't necessarily a shock to see. A little disappointing to see, yeah, but... This team continues to get wins and try and work their way up that tough AFC. Yeah, no, this has been a very interesting playoff picture. And, you know, we, we, we've talked about it all along. I, I felt like the Colts were still going to be a playoff team, even, you know, maybe through a little bit of the lulls, which I, all the lulls really have just been one game lulls. But the problem was the AFC wasn't affording you a whole lot of margin for, for air, and yeah. obviously the Colts didn't do themselves any favor with losing to Baltimore and Cleveland earlier in the season. But like we said a few weeks ago, 
unless you lose to both the Titans and Raiders, you're going to be a playoff team. And in a game with the Raiders, supposedly, or at least on paper, they should have been the more desperate team. And yet you go toe-to-toe with them early. You set a clear tone offensively. And then the Kenny Moore interception single-handedly changes the entire flow of that game. So uh, tons to, that, that I liked from it, a little bit that I didn't like, we'll get into. Uh, Twitter questions per usual, and uh, let's do it, man. Is there anywhere else to start other than Kenny Moore's play yesterday? My goodness, did he take social media by storm with that pick? Yeah, I probably use this phrase a lot on the podcast, but um, I tweeted it out. Holy shit. Holy sh- I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I, I'm i still in awe. It's um, And it's one thing for me to be in awe, but then you see what Frank Reich says about that play. Derek Carr, John Gruden. You know, that play might have got, you know, might have led to Paul Gunther officially being fired because it just led to the onslaught from there of all the momentum building for this offense. And so much of it stands out to me, Chris. Let's, I guess, first talk about the pick, but I also want to acknowledge how Kenny Moore responded himself in the game and then how big of a play that was. Just even if he makes a normal interception, Mm -hmm. that is a huge play. But let's start with the actual snare of an interception. I've gone back and and watched it, and I'm sure I speak for all listeners of this podcast. They're probably watching it, you know, 500 times. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like his responsibility is Darren Waller on that play. It looks like he's got Hunter Renfro and Bobby Okereke slash Julian Blackman have Darren Waller. And smartly, bracket coverage on the Raiders' best player on a third and third and uh, eight. I think it was third and eight from the 13, I believe, uh, if I have that right. Um, but Kenny Moore knows Derek Carr might get greedy. The game had a feel of a shootout at that point. Yeah. So it was kind of like, hey, settle in for three here. Uh, you don't want to do that. And... Moore reads Derek Carr's eyes and just positions himself to a point in the end zone where I think he knew that ball is either going over Waller's heads head or I am whatever, big enough <laughs> and strong enough and can read it that I'm going to make a play on it. And palming the ball is probably the thing that stands out to me the most. The leaping ability, yes. But you palm that ball. Don't use the other hand. Like, this isn't some, yeah. you know, little Nerf ball that we all have played with. And, no, this is an NFL football that he palms, and that ball doesn't even move as he goes to the ground. Not at all. Secures it easily, and there is one of the best interceptions you'll ever see. Ever. Like, to me, that's not hyperbole at all to say that. And um, what a big play. What I mean, you know me, man. I say it every week. I try to point to one or two plays that I think are huge game flow plays. And for me, they typically are first half plays. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can happen third quarter. But you know, I, I we always focus so much on like fourth and one, late in the game. Holy shnikes. No, there are plays that happen earlier in games that are huge, and that play was it for me. You know, at the time, the Raiders are, I mean, on the verge of scoring again. Uh it was like three minutes to go, I want to say. First half. Yeah, 17-14 Colts lead there, okay? Um, 3.35 on the clock. Mm-hmm. 
So let's say that ball is incomplete. Daniel Carlson comes on the field and hits a chip shot at 17 all, and, you know, Raiders are still, you know, feeling good about it. Let's say Waller makes the play there, and that's a touchdown. It's now 21-17, Raiders lead. And now the Colts, again, are playing from behind and maybe a little bit more pressure on that uh, two-minute drive to end the first half. But you make that pick there. They don't score. You have hyped up your sideline like none other. And the Colts dangerously but execute a 13-play, three-minute and 30-second drive that has Hot Rod making a chip shot at the buzzer there. Yep. To be up twenty to fourteen at halftime, and then you know you, you get the um, you, you you hold them to a field goal early third quarter, and all of a sudden you are continuing to play from ahead. And I just think I I am a believer of keeping momentum. I know some people aren't really. I am uh, during games, and I just thought that play kept it. Yeah, I mean, what a play, man! And that's another reason uh, looking at that game in terms of their defensive coordinator being fired. The amount of penalties the Raiders had because the Colts almost went three and out after that pick. Oh yeah, they had that holding penalty, and the holding penalty yeah. kept that drive going on for the, the Colts. On the Mullen kid, who's, yeah, whose brother's so good for IU. Uh, let's let's talk briefly about Kenny Moore mm-hmm. and and just his professionalism. You know, I I tweeted out what three or four plays before that interception. You know, something to the effect of, I don't know if I said this, but I certainly felt it. It was one of the worst stretches I've ever seen Kenny Moore play football. Up to that point, you know, he had gotten you know, very good coverage, but obviously gives up a touchdown to Foster Moreau in coverage. He got bit on the uh, Aguilar play uh, down the sideline where TJ Carey had that flag picked up. Yeah. And then he had the horse collar penalty mm-hmm. on Waller earlier in that drive. And Moore said it afterwards. He was frustrated with his play. Like, it was like. Okay, I'm used to like 31 Quincy Wilson. Shout out to Quincy Wilson's brother. One of the just one of the more hilarious football plays that you'll you'll ever see throwing the shoe for <laughs> for Florida. Um, you know, it, it, think about other just toasted Colts corners that you don't need me to name their names, but it looked like that. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, man, that is not Kenny Moore. You guys know what I think of Kenny Moore. But yet, what separates Moore from so many players, period, regardless of position, is he is coachable, he's a professional, and his ability to respond and be resilient ranks right up there with any other player on this football team. And it's part of the Colts' evaluation process, you know, with their character. And yeah, Kenny Moore wasn't a draft pick, but a reason why this staff gravitated towards him so much was because of what he stands for. And he knows life as an NFL football player, especially a corner, there's going to be some freaking lows, some lows during games. But the beauty of it is there will be another play more Mm -hmm. often than not. And it's not only that interception, Chris, it's the forced fumble in the fourth quarter, which absolutely clinched the victory. His performance yesterday is one of those that if I am a coach at any level, and I have a player that gets too down on themselves, I pop in that Kenny Moore film. And listen to Kenny Moore after the game talk. I posted that story. I was kind of debating. You know, typically what I do after a game is I always write five things learned. Mm-hmm. And you know, you guys always read that, which I really, really appreciate. But then I also write kind of one more immediate big reaction of like what I thought was the, the storyline of the game. And I was debating, do I go Taylor Hilton 
which you guys have heard me talk about it last week. I thought that was such a big element. Or do I go Kenny Moore? And listening to Kenny talk afterwards, I just had to go there because he gets it of like, in life, when adversity hits, you can sit your ass on the bench and you can pout and you can feel bad about yourself and whatever. And that's probably the easy way out and just kind of mope and droopy, droopy, droopy. Or you can look in the mirror and say, how am I going to react? And Kenny Moore looked in the mirror. And he made the play of the NFL season for the Colts so far and one of the plays just period of the NFL season Mm -hmm. with that interception. And then he comes back and does it again in the second half. So um, he deserves to be a pro bowler. You guys know it. And, uh, boy, just tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. Uh, I got several people saying this tweet did not age well, blah, 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 blah. The tweet was accurate, damn accurate at the time, because Kenny Moore was playing awful. But 60 minutes, four quarters, insert every cliche here. Yep. How do you respond? He did it. No doubt about it. Uh, Philip Rivers. What do you think was better? Mo Alley Cox catch in Oakland a few years ago or Kenny Moore's pick? I mean, that Mo Alley Cox catch. Woo. I know. You got to, based on what you said, the NFL football being as big. Mo Alley Cox, he's got the pause to right, do that. Right, right, right. Kenny Moore going up there, skying for it. People have already done the Jordan logo with it, you know. Plus time and score, you know, think yeah. situations. Situational, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that was great at the time because we we're like, oh my gosh, did we just uncover a gym that could potentially work out for the Colts offensively? But like you said, the way that that is going to hopefully give us momentum heading into the last three games, that was just a great play. Huge, huge, huge. Trump, huge. <laughs> Philip Rivers, Kevin. I mean, people can say what they want. The guy has just been consistent and he has helped us win football games. You know, I was filling in last week on the Fan Morning Show and had Stephen Holder on Wednesday, and I asked Stephen this question, and I'm not sure if I brought it up on Wednesday's podcast, but I definitely asked this to Stephen saying, this might sound weird, Stephen, but are we not giving the quarterback enough credit? We haven't talked that much about Rivers. I mean, I felt like I've tried to mention him, and you guys know I've, said since day one he's unquestionably an upgrade at the quarterback spot but have we given him enough credit seemingly with again no really supporting running attack until now it seems like and uh efficiency is the word that we use a lot chris i just think it goes back to the chess match nature like playing the quarterback position is so much more than just having the giant arm being Lamar Jackson with your legs, all that stuff helps. But if mentally you can process things at a high level, it's going to help you in so many areas. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think Rivers is doing that right now. The one physical attribute that I continue to harp, and I know that fans will probably overlook this, it's the ball placement, man. Those crossers, Pittman and Hilton yesterday caught a couple of them. To place the ball where he's placing it on those on those you know third downs frequently, it allows T. Y. Hilton to stay at sixty miles per hour. Yes. Not if if T. Y. revs it down to fifty two because the ball is on his right back shoulder. Boom, that Raider DB can maybe make a tackle, and now you're punting or you're, or you're entering fourth down. Those plays are so huge to get your guys the football in stride, in yards after catch. When the river signing happened, I, I looked at that stat very closely and thought, he's going to help in this area. 
as long as you protect him, which the O-line deserves major, major kudos for what they've done in pass protection all year long. And how about that Jonathan Taylor blitz pickup yesterday? Yeah. Jeez. Yards after catch should be there. This guy, you know, Fr- Frank Reich often mentions elite accuracy is kind of the phrase that he loves to use with Rivers. Boy, it's 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 true. And if you're going to be a quick quick rhythm quarterback, your placement has got to be pristine because you're saying, I'm getting the ball out quick, which means, okay, our guys might not get all the way down the field, but I think they can go make a play with the ball in their hands. And I thought we, we again, saw that mm-hmm. yesterday afternoon. Um, again, the, he's just leading this offense with a confidence that not every quarterback in the league has. You're getting a unit to be consistent for 60 minutes. It, it's difficult to achieve, and obviously the Raiders' defense is not good, hence Paul Gunther being unemployed. But still, it's rare to see you had eight real drives yesterday. Seven of them were scores. Yes. <laughs> I mean, do not take that for granted, folks. Do not take that for granted. And the one that wasn't was the Hilton DPI penalty that they picked up. I mean, that was the one. And the Marcus Johnson, some miscommunication there on mm-hmm. on third down. But you got to love the balance, man. Uh, chunk plays as well stood out to me. I thought that's something that maybe he's been missing a little bit. You know, Rivers isn't all the way you know, in, in charge of this, but I think the passing success early helps set up Taylor for 62, Hines for 31, and then the pass game, you know, five different guys have over 20-yard catches. Hilton, Doyle, Pittman, Taylor, and Pascal. Mm-hmm. So your ability to spread that around, huge, huge, huge. 8 of 11 on third down. I, I didn't realize that during the course of the game. That's the highest percentage, like 72% or something like that. Highest in a decade. Yeah, that's a massive number. Like, 73%. Yeah, I mean, what? Like, And, I mean, some of those are some third and longs, man. Like, they weren't all just, you know, dink and dunk. You're picking up two, and Jacoby Brissett's doing all of it. So, when you get a man fired, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. And Phil Rivers handled that offense beautifully yesterday. He's playing playoff caliber football for you. He's playing pretty close to what I thought he could play if the pass protection was on point, but I think he's a little bit hair better than I than I thought. Uh, I, I do think we have to commend the pass protection, though. I mean, it's been so good. Regardless of where they're slotting people. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, Quentin playing left, left tackle for a handful of snaps yesterday and all that stuff. So I feel like we haven't mentioned Rivers enough, Chris, so I thought he deserved his own mention. Yeah, and to your point, Rivers gets those kind of numbers, and he is leading this team because the emergence of a Jonathan Taylor yesterday and T.Y. Hilton coming out of hiding. Having those two resources play like that really helps you when you're under center. Oh, yeah, it definitely does, and that's what we mentioned to end Wednesday's pod. What can the Colts do? What gives – I think the question was even posed to me. What gives you hope that January success can happen? And I felt like if you get Jonathan Taylor looking like a running back one, you know, all caps and, you know, Pro Bowl level, and you get T.Y. Hilton showing that Houston was not just, oh, he's back in a second home, that could be the difference. And, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many people I told. I had people text me Sunday morning, and, and you know, I've always got people like, all right, what do you think about this over-under? What do you think about that? I said, hammer Taylor, and, and, and I like Hilton. 
And I mean, hell, they both pretty much hit it by halftime. Yeah. Both of them, you know, and obviously Taylor had the had the huge one there. Let's let's start with Taylor. It's it's the home run, Chris. I mean, that's what has been missing. That's why they drafted him where they did. You know, when they took him forty one overall, I think why some people were hesitant was because in today's NFL, you trade up for a running back who isn't an Alvin Kamara type of receiver. That's so needed from that position in today's league. So if you're not a good and, and to be fair, totally fair to to the Texans or excuse me, um to the um to the Colts, they looked at Taylor as a guy on first and second down that can be a flat out stud. But he's been pretty good on third down this year. Mm-hmm. Like he's caught I think 31 of 32 of his targets like we talked about the blitz pickup, but they drafted him for the big plays in the run game. A lot of running backs get caught on that play. Beautifully blocked. One of the best block plays all year long. But a lot of guys, that goes for 20 or 25 or, you know, 18. No, no, no. That's 62. Yeah. And that's why you took him for that. I thought he did a nice job early on. There was some trash in his face. I thought he made some guys miss. Mm -hmm. Patience, but then being decisive once he made that guy miss. And he was really solid all game long. Deserve the number one role. We talked about it. He needs to be the feature back moving forward. Running back rotation is fluid. We all get that. But he has looked at a rookie wall and just ran through it. And so I, I, I thought he was um, he was terrific. I thought the Colts did a nice job of knowing the Raiders aren't a great run defense team. Cleveland Farrell is out for the second half. Just pound it. Wear them down a little bit. And I felt like this was the Taylor we would see, Chris, of, like, second-half chunks. Like, that was kind of my thought when they drafted him, and this idea really kind of got going in my head of how the Colts would utilize him best. And then Hilton. To me, it's the variety of the catches. Yep. The contested catch on the third and goal for the first touchdown of the game, Rivers said afterwards, that's a ball I don't throw to a lot of guys. But yet his 5'9 wideout, someone he throws that to. He Mm. trusts them to make a play there. He does that, obviously getting behind the secondary for the deep ball, and then had a couple third down grabs as well. Uh, uh, had a crosser and just he he's just making plays, man. The guy's getting paid. I've, I've seen him in the end zone more more fr- frequently, and I'm thinking to myself, remember that over under we had on beers with Bowen? Yeah. Said Hilton, you know, nothing says to take the over on this, but I just have a feeling that that Hilton's gonna you know be a guy that shows up, and I don't know if it's contract year and all that. But when you watch Hilton early on, a lot of it was self-inflicted. Just flat out some drops early in the season. And that's so uncharacteristic of him. That's why I felt like, wait, no, this isn't Eric Ebron continuing to drop the football. This is T.Y. Hilton. Like, we're not used to T.Y. Hilton doing that. And, you know, he, he kind of ran his mouth this week and backed it up. Yep. And that's kind of him, you know. He wears a clown mask and shows up. So maybe he needed a little bit more of that. He's always been pretty... He's kind of a subtle, uh, confident guy, borderline cocky. Like, if my mom read the quotes, quotes, she'd call it cocky. I'd be like, no, that's just confidence, you know, kind of one of those. But, he, you know, he isn't too loud with it. It's just like, oh, yeah, no one can stop me. But, you know, doesn't scream. <laughs> it doesn't do it on social media or anything like that. But, man, it's um, 
this is Pro Bowl vintage, whatever you want to call it, and it's coming at the right time. And I tweeted out during the game on Sunday, Chris, and I stand by it. This is not in-game reaction. Listeners of our podcast know this full well. The Colts need to bring him back. Yeah. I mean, I have never shut that door. I just think he gives you something. He's just a calming influence to a degree. And Frank Reich loves him. Frank Reich loves him, folks. And um, at this point, December 14th, I'd be surprised if T.Y. Hilton wasn't wasn't back. Yeah, and quickly back to uh, Jonathan Taylor. One of the beauties this year of not having fans, obviously we want fans to be there, is you can hear a little bit more of what's going on on the field. And once he gets through that hole, I don't know if it's a player on the field that's trailing or if it's someone on the Colts sideline, but you hear someone yelling, he can run, he can <laughs> run. They know his speed. They've been, You know they've been waiting for him to bust one too. 100%. You know, Rivers had a great quote afterwards of like, that's a big man that can run fast. I mean, he is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Because he is, you know, so well built for his size. I don't know if it looks as four three as it is, and I don't know if you saw the, um, like those next gen stats. They do the fastest ball carrier right. each week. Tyreek Hill and Derrick Henry were, were one and two for their efforts on Sunday. Three was Taylor on that run. I think it was twenty one miles per hour, and then four was Hines on his thirty yarder. So, you know, when, when's the last time you've had Colts players? Ranking that high mm-hmm. on the multiple players ranking that high, but it's an infusion of speed. The Colts knew they needed it. They needed to create more mo- more big plays, and they um and they did that on uh, on Sunday. All right, well, let's jump to things that you did not like from this weekend's effort, and one that stood out to a lot of people, obviously the pass rush. Yeah, um, I thought it was terrible, absolutely terrible. You know, Chris, the um the popular thought with Derek Carr is he gets the ball out extremely quick. There were 24 quarterbacks in the NFL that got the ball out quicker than Derek Carr yesterday. 24, I should say, in in week 14. That's a lot of quarterbacks that got the ball out quicker than Derek Carr. So that is not, that's a lazy excuse for, for people to use that, and yet the Colts simply hardly touched him. Two. Two hits? Yep. 45 pass attempts, two hits. That is... Um, that's that. That's high school pass rush stuff from the Colts. I know the Raiders have got a pretty good O-line, but not that good of an O-line. So this is my one worry, probably my biggest worry right now in terms of January. What the offense is doing, oh, I mean, they're ascending. They're, they are ascending to a level that I didn't think was, was that possible this season. But they're, they're starting to get there. Defensively, the poor starts – and just the lack of pass rush is worrying me. I know they sacked Watson a bunch. That game plan is so different. That that, that game plan is like almost dealing with a triple option or you know, just something that, you know, you almost throw that game film out. But you get in the playoffs, man. And I know everyone says you got to run it, you got to do this and this. With, with how the Colts play defense, your four-man rush and your pressure have got to get home. And even when they blitz yesterday, they weren't really yeah. getting home. So that's my worry right now moving forward. Um. So yeah, I think that's something to where it's an issue, and you know, part of this is John Gruden knows this defense very well, and the Raiders moved it extremely well um, on Sunday. And really, I thought the difference for the defense was we we talk about that Kenny Moore pick. They had a couple other goal to go drives, red zone drives that ended in three. And when you're in the midst of a shootout, those are big victories. So 
that's great, and that's so needed for this defense. And honestly, I thought that was a huge difference in the game. But you look at what the Raiders did. Let me pull up their um, their drives. Right. So Aguilar had that drop on the first drive of the game. Colts forced a three and out there. Their next five drives, so all the way to the fourth quarter, at least three first downs on every drive, and they got points out of every drive besides a more interception. So, I mean, they moved it pretty easily against you. Uh, and then you had the Moore and Kari Willis turnovers in the fourth quarter, which I th- this playmaking has become such a constant that you're like, wow. It's so reliable, but I'm just, like, a little nervous. Like, what if that somehow just goes away from mm-hmm. the game? Like, Kenny Moore doesn't make this interception that should go in Canton, and that ball falls to the ground. Or... You know, his crazy strip, which was just a textbook play, the Colts don't pounce on that ball. You know, the Raiders pounce on it. Now all of a sudden, is this game more of a 28-27 type game, and now the Colts' offense has all this pressure on them mm-hmm. to continue to produce. Um, so, yeah, the pass rush has got, to, is, has got to be better. And you hate the amount of big plays. You know, Eberflus can't like – Whatever, four or five plays over thirty yards, like that. That that has to really bother him as yeah. well. So, um, definitely wanted to um, wanted to mention that because we're not saying sacks, we're saying pass rush. And there yeah. were so many times, Carr didn't even have to move off his spot. And when he finally had to, at at times, he wasn't great at throwing on the run. And that's no. where I was like, listen, I don't need a sack here. I just need you to make the guy move. Yes, get him off his timing. Yeah, J- just a little bit. Don't let. Him hit that five step or the three step or the seven and it be in rhythm. Um, I thought we saw a little bit of Jacksonville stuff early on, like some of the DBs and linebackers kind of looking at each other, like, wait, wait, why weren't you in that part of the zone? Just some of that stuff. So that's just, those are things that need to get cleaned up. Another thing, clearly, that no Colts fan likes to see is the potential injuries to Rhodes and Leonard uh, towards the end of that ballgame. Yeah. Um, let me send a quick text here to, um, um, okay. Um, it's uh, Rosie Bose, six month checkup today. Wow. Yeah. So She's growing quick. Just, yeah. My wife was just calling um, about that. Um, want to hear, gosh, you, you, you would think I knew how to type. Want to hear. <laughs> got it. Um, okay. Injuries. How about Costanzo? How do you come back after two weeks? That I thought blew it blew me away. And, you know, then he leaves mid right there. I'm like, oh boy. You know, is it a brace issue? And then he talks about it afterwards. He's like, yeah, my knee grabbed and I lost strength in it. I'm like, boy, that <laughs> sounds awful. And they go in the locker room. He does some tests and whatnot and comes back in and, you know, gives you Anthony Costanzo-type football. So, yeah, the dude's a warrior and he's a stud. Leonard and Rhodes, it was a knee injury for Rhodes, a back injury for Leonard. We are recording this late Monday morning, so we'll see updates as they go on. I think it's a bit positive news, Chris, that Frank Reich mentioned after the game. Neither of them were ruled out medically. So that's good. Um, obviously, that uh, neither of them were officially ruled out. You know, kind of got to the point of the game where it's like, just don't even put him back in. Yeah. You know, once he got the pick six and even the more fumble put you up three scores when Hot Rod hit that field goal. So, it, boy, it does seem like Xavier Rhodes gets hurt every game. And, um, so hopefully it's nothing that's too major. He has obviously hasn't missed a game yet, but I'm to the point if either of them are iffy for this week, just just sit him. I mean, I'm sorry. The Texans, yeah, they got Watson and he's a stud, but 
I mean, the Bears just steamrolled them. So you can beat the uh, you can beat the Texans um, without these guys. Yeah, but I, I I think they're just names to note, and so I feel like to do stuff in January you definitely need them. So we we just got to note them. But it did seem like a positive report from Frank afterwards. Awesome to hear. Should we jump into Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah, yep. All right. First one comes from our friend in Ireland, Darg. <laughs> Love this one. With Philip Rivers, I feel like a dad who just got the dog he didn't want. First, I didn't want the dog. Then the dog took a couple dumps around the house, and I really wanted the dog gone. But as a few weeks went past, I absolutely started to love the dog. He's not been perfect with Rivers, but he's been a huge upgrade from last year, and week on week he continues to seem to make better decisions. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Well, first, shout out to my old dog, Rudy. She was a great dog. Rudy with an I, we decided to yep. go with. Um, I, I am a loser that can, unfortunately, recite the final 20 minutes of the movie Rudy, and it's just a, um, <laughs> boy, it's a, gosh, that's so embarrassing that I can say that. But uh, Rudy was a great black lab, so I do miss her, but I think this really sums it up well, dog. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Rivers has not been perfect, but he has been a – and he puts huge in all caps, man. It, it's been huge. It, it, it's been an upgrade, unquestionably. You know, I think back to this year, and sorry to bring this up, this is the one-year anniversary of the Colts going to New Orleans, that Monday night effort last season, and that was when it had reached rock bottom, and it yeah. was just uh, go to Bourbon Street. Just stop. Just don't play anymore. Go to Bourbon Street and come home. You know, it was just it was one of those performances, and you needed to make a move. You could not live with that for another year. And they made a move. Frank Reich believed in it. Has it been top five quarterback? No, but it's been top 10 or top 12 quarterback. That's what you've gotten out of him for the majority of this football season. And and uh, I, I want to make sure we mention the pass protection, though. And Rivers is part of that. But that group had more pressure on them than any unit. Because if they have leakage, if they have issues, if Mark Lewinsky you know, has those kind of just lulls and the inability to handle stunts like he had in maybe previous years, you would get exposed a bit. But they've been unbelievable, man. Frank says, it's time to stop acting like JT isn't running back number one. What say you? Well, Frank, I say, have you been listening to the pod? <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we I, I stressed that big time last week. You know, it really started the second half of that Packers game. Chris, when they went back to him, because, you know, he wasn't, he had struggled before that Baltimore game, the Tennessee Thursday nighter. And, you know, on Sunday, he splits the first two series. You know, Hines gets that whole second series, which I, I tweeted this out. That's Frank Reich's script. Frank Reich scripts running back reps for the first 15 plays. So he wants Taylor heavy early, then he wants Hines heavy for that second series. And then after that, they pretty much rode Taylor like a feature back. Now, Hines obviously played a good amount. Mm hmm. But boy, you know, you know what I really liked that uh, that Wildcat, Hines, and Taylor having two running backs in the game at one time. Yeah, they haven't used that yet this year. Mm -mm. The Hines Wildcat, and I'm like, when they drafted Taylor, I'm thinking, oh boy, that opens up a whole new part of the playbook that you really didn't have. And it's been a while. You know, we saw Trey Burton do his Wildcat thing, but that's now another wrinkle and another thing that def defenses have to game plan for. And all of that. I thought, well, yeah, when I saw the Heinz Taylor uh, Wildcat, I was like, I don't use emojis a lot, but I, I, I would use that heart eye emoji. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I would use there. 
Yeah, the Colts continue week after week to just give you a little bit more of a peek inside of that playbook. And, man, do they have a lot of wrinkles. Which is huge, huge, just a game plan for that. Man. Right. This one's from Colt Maniac. If Kenny Moore doesn't get doesn't get to the Pro Bowl, do you think he makes all pro first or second team? I mean, honestly, probably not. It's just, And this is nothing of what I feel about Kenny Moore. It's, it's just how I know these voting – stuff goes which sounds like a very 2020 comment but i'm referring to the nfl here you know mike hilton's a damn good slot corner as well you know he'd be up there you know zavian howard looks like <laughs> hell he should be some defensive mvp for the votes he's doing but i i will say one thing going to moore's favor chris is is the late year momentum and that highlight play now everyone pro bowl voting ends this week for fans right and coaches and players vote right after that they're all gonna see that and, and that, that should help him. But last year, if I remember correctly, he wasn't even close on the alternate list, Pro Bowl-wise. It just... Shocking. It, it, it's shocking, but it's not but it's really not, yeah. because this is how some of this voting goes. And you know what? Kenny Moore went to Valdosta State. You know, he doesn't have his... That's why Hot Rod is so high in the Pro Bowl voting. It's all those Georgia crazy people. <laughs> I mean... God bless Colts Nation, but let's be honest, the Colts have never been very high in Pro Bowl fan voting. You know, when Dante Moncrief entered the league, I swear the old Miss Brigade, hashtag feed Moncrief was just in my mentions every week. Like it is SEC fans <laughs> are what make me love college football. So kudos then. You know a name that I forgot to mention on last week's pod, Chris, Pro Bowl wise, and he made another tackle on Sunday. George Odom. Special teamer, he yep. should be in the Pro Bowl. That is another name that that I mentioned. So we've got a Pro Bowl story up on the site. Ross and I talked about it last Wednesday, but definitely go go check that out. So I, I he should be in this company to answer your question, um, Colt Maniac. But I just know how this stuff goes, and I'm not getting my hopes up. He's like Rob Morris. We're just always get a tackle on special teams, running down the field. Oh, I mean, and Odom is nuts. Yeah, he is certified nut. And to play special teams in the NFL, you have to have screws loose in, in in your head. It's a it's a prereq. Mark's question goes back to the end of what you didn't like in terms of Darius Leonard. Any word on the back? Again, wasn't ruled out, so I would say that's promising, Mark. But stay tuned to the website and my uh, NK Bowen 1070 on Twitter. All right, this one comes from Damon, who's a longtime listener, but this is actually the first time he's asked a question for the pod. Go, Damon. Welcome. It says JT was amazing today, and the run game was really fun to watch. What do you think? What things did you see on tape that attributed to the success on Sunday? Thanks. Keep up the great work. I appreciate that, Damon. Um, just patience, patience, Chris. Go back and watch that first drive, people. There was stuff in the backfield. There were mistakes, run blocking wise, and not only does JT avoid. I think it's the first time I've ever called him. <laughs> JT, um, he avoids the um, the tackles in the backfield, but he turns them into like 8, 10, 12-yard chunks. I mean, mm -hmm. these are big plays that, he, that he's turning them into. So um, I, I just think there's a confidence to him. There's a decisiveness. He talked about after the game kind of learning how to run out of shotgun a little bit more. You know, not something they do a whole lot up in Madison. By the way, Iowa over Wisconsin was a lock. I, I think we mentioned that on Wednesday's podcast. This podcast made you money. 
if you were listening. I was going to say, you just keep making the people money, yeah, Kevin. I, I do, and I probably only talk about it because if I <laughs> if I will or if Wisconsin would have won, I don't think I would have said it. But, um, yeah, I thought he avoided some trash, and he is even when you look at some of the analytics, Chris, and certainly his running side, he didn't make a lot of guys miss early on in the season. And to be fair, he's not like a incredible lateral quick jump cut. I'm going to make you miss in the backfield type. Like him and Josh Jacobs are different running styles or, you know, he just doesn't have this crazy cut ability, but he's extremely gifted in his own right. And I just feel like he is more locked in and a believer of what he's supposed to do, if that makes sense. So that's what I'm seeing. All right. This one's from Alex says, great to hear Chris back in studio. Thank you, Alex. It's great to be back. What are your thoughts on Nelson playing left tackle? Thought he looked great or solid in his few snaps. Your guess on over under 25% chance that he's the left tackle of the future after Costanzo retires. Dude, you talk about questions I never thought I'd be fielding <laughs> here, in, here in 2020. Um, boy, Alex, it's a wild question, but it's a very fair question. You know, um, boy, over under 25%. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to say less, but it's just crazy that I'm even committing to a number of that note. I mean, I'm, st- I guess I'm saying 15 or 20%, but like I'm actually saying that out loud. And, you know, I feel like I can't remember Nelson ever playing left tackle in a game at Notre Dame. I just can't. I mean, maybe he did one time, but I feel like he was always a guard there. So this was not like, you know, Zach Martin was a tackle at Notre Dame and then moved to guard in the NFL. So him going back to tackle early this year for Dallas, that's not the craziest thing in the world. Nelson, it's just, it's different, certainly. I thought he held his own. And I thought Joey Hunt came in there, his hair on fire, wild hair coming out of the helmet. <laughs> I thought he played pretty well, handling some stunts and some twists and and, and whatnot. So, um, obviously, I need to see more. But the Colts fans hope that, that we don't see any more of that this season. You hope Costanzo rides it out. Mm-hmm. I, No matter how you feel about this answer, the Colts still need to draft a tackle in the first Three rounds, probably two rounds, because you, you still don't have depth. Like, I even want depth for Braden Smith. And at least draft a tackle that maybe has some guard flexibility and, and, and can move inside. But, you know, if you look at your roster right now, a lot of people would say, you know, can you cut Martin Lewinsky and Danny Pinter becomes your guard of the future next year, right guard, save a little money there. This move, but again, Casanzo supposedly is going to play next year. This move would say, okay, Glow at right guard, Pinter at left guard, and then Nelson at left tackle. Like you, okay, that that makes sense on paper. Um, but Alex, great question. I still want to draft the tackle though. Jake asks, has Ty gone from better not bring him back to indispensable in three weeks? Dude, he was never in the not be back category here. He, he was never in it. I, I, sorry, he was. Jake, he was he was not in that. Um, like I said earlier, that was not an in-game reaction tweet by me. That was a. I think he should be back, Chris. And the more that I open my ears and listen to some people inside that building, I think there is a good chance he is back as well. They they get it, they know what he means, and you know, 
Zach Kiefer brought this up several times in the post game yesterday, asking questions to Ty and other people. I think it's a good point. When's the last time Ty's been this healthy in December? Yeah, I haven't seen him on injury report in quite a while. It's very true. All right, Romulus goes back to things you didn't like as well, which I think most of the Colts nation didn't. What happened to the pass rush yesterday? It felt a little bit underwhelming. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and Chris, it's not like this is just a four-man rush not getting home because sometimes we see that early in games, four-man rush doesn't get home, boom. Here comes Leonard, here comes Willis, here comes you know, Kenny Moore. Even that didn't get home. So um, I didn't think it was Leonard's best game. And I, I continue to say, you know, what I've said about Justin Houston. I know he had the great day against Houston, but this has been a a, a down year for Houston when you're when you're evaluating on consistent pressure. Get away from seven and a half sacks through thirteen games for a quick second. That's nice. And you know, he's on pace for what, eight or nine sacks this year? That's that's solid. But it's the consistency with that pressure, and it's just not there. Mm-hmm. And Kamoko Turi, you know what, plays 15, 16 snaps, one tackle. We just, it's been disappointing that that front. So when we talk about the draft next year, man, it, it continues. Edge rusher is always up there, and it, it continues to be up there. Bailey asks, is it safe to say that Taylor saved Rivers' life yesterday? That second and six, early in the second, when Vegas sent the blitz, looked like Rivers was about to get crushed. <laughs> JT picked it up, which resulted in a 23-yard gain to Pittman. Very next play, a bomb TD to Hilton. Oh, I love it. I love that Bailey uh, picked this one out, too. You know, these are plays that I kind of circle in my notes when I'm taking notes during the game. Of Don't forget about that play. Like, the Kenny Moore pick, we all are foaming at the mouth, rightfully so, about the interception. If that ball just is thrown to him and he catches it, it is a monumental play mm-hmm. because of down and distance and all of that and game flow. And this is another one, just a subtle Little play to where, boom, first down. Now you can set up the bomb. The bomb. What a great play in blitz. Oh, the best. Automatic. I, honestly, I think at times it, that's, that's all the Chiefs run, and it works every time. <laughs> no kidding. Does it, they like being down 10-0. They don't right? care. All right, David wants to know if you feel like uh, Frank Wright gets a little too predictable with the amount of screen plays that he calls in, in each game. It wouldn't be a, a Kevin's Corner Pod without a Frank Reich play calling question. Uh, the dude, you know, <laughs> just orchestrated one of the best offensive performances you'll see really in the NFL all year long. And we got this. Um, I know there are some negative screens. I also think screens can often be boom or bust. You know, it's really like, you know, huge, huge play out of it or, or not a lot. I know the Wilkins screen didn't go anywhere early in the game. Um, eh. I like screens, to be honest with you. I think it's good to try and catch aggressive defenses off, off, uh, you know, whatever, off balance. Maybe a little bit, but, David, I, I can't go full there. I mean, honestly, I think just the inconsistency of their execution with screens has probably been the bigger issue in in, in the right tenure. A little bit better this year, but um, still, still an issue. Well, let's get back to old betting Kevin here. Drew wants to know, are you putting any money on the Colts to win the division at plus 135? Mm, sounds like Clark Lee, Notre Dame's D coordinator to Vanderbilt. Ugh! <laughs> God. I mean, I know Nashville's great and South Bend sucks, but God. Ugh! There's my fandom. There's my whining fandom. Of course he should take a job probably there. You want to go coach in the SEC, though? Jeez. Got Ivy League expectations. Okay, give it give it to me again. Drew says what? Are you putting any money on the Colts to win the division at plus one thirty five? Ooh, ooh, boy, they are plus one thirty five. 
I suppose so. I kind of like that. You don't have to put a ton. Put some money out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, I, I'm going to – I think job obligation-wise, I probably should stay away. But um, if I were not covering the team on a daily basis, I, I might – But think about it. Nine and four Colts, nine and four Titans. Titans mm-hmm. did their job yesterday. Derek Henry should be on an MVP ballot and should be high on that MVP ballot, by the way. So the Colts got to finish above them in the standings. Colts go Texans at Steelers and Jags. Mm-hmm. Titans have Lions without Stafford, maybe? Possibly. At Packers and Texans. I mean, that's pretty even. I mean, Steelers are looking. The Ebron virus is spread throughout that team a little <laughs> bit there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'd put a little scratch on it. I would. But see, I'm, I, I'm also of, of the belief, Drew, and I often do this. I don't love betting on the team that I cheer for. Have we talked about this? We have. You know, I'm already emotionally invested. Why do I need to be financially? Like, no, I need to be financially invested in taking the under on Army-Navy, although I always watch Army-Navy, so I shouldn't even go there. Iowa-Wisconsin. Like, that game is boringer than bore. Like, get some scratch going there. But, sure, Drew. Yeah, we talked about it because this year I told you that I bet against the Vols every week. And that's just absurd. That, that, yeah, that's where not against Vandy, but yeah, every other week you should quarantine yourself for fourteen more days just for just just for doing that. Listen, all right. Speaking of SEC, Big Bama, he has a question. He says or a comment first. He says to me, Jonathan Taylor has been getting better every week with his vision, cuts, and fighting for extra yards. Do you think the game against the Ravens was a turning point for him and his development? Also, when can we see you rocking a hot rod T-shirt? Chicks love the specs, man. <laughs> I do love the show. As someone that wears glasses, yeah, um, sign me up for that. You know, honestly, I thought the Packers game, the Ravens game, boy, I, I don't have it in front of me, but he was really struggling. And, and that Titans game on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I know the Colts exploded in that game, but I don't think it was really because of him. So, yeah, I thought it was the second half of the Packers game. And, and unfortunately, he had the, um, you know, the close contact and missed that Titans game. But he's been... He's been damn good these last two and a half games. Damn good. And uh, you ride him, man. You ride him the rest of the way. You have, over the last two-ish games, you've had a Pro Bowl caliber running back performance and a Pro Bowl caliber wideout performance. Yeah. I can't think of a time all season long, Chris, they had both of those either in a game or multiple games. Sure, a flash of Pittman. Sure, a flash of Hines, Marcus Johnson, you know, maybe here, but like the actual duo, nope. That's huge. Yep. Huge. Kevin, Kyle feels like the Colts have been pretty disciplined most years when it comes to penalties, but this year they seem to have more than usual. What do you attribute that to? Um, it's a good question, Kyle. I don't I don't have a great Great answer for you there. I don't think they're a super undisciplined team. How about the Michael Pittman false starts are kind of a weird thing. Yeah. I feel like we've seen like hell, maybe a handful of mm-hmm. those this year. Um Yeah, I don't. I don't have a great answer for you there. It seems like a variety of penalties, like every unit <coughs> kind of involved in it. So I don't think it's necessarily just one of them, you know, being a being a huge issue there. So sorry, Kyle. I don't have a I don't have a better issue or answer for you. This one comes from 1924, who's a diehard Colts fan, now living out in San Diego. I hope you're enjoying that nice weather. 
says, I'm happy after winning 200 bucks and the Colts totally smashing the Raiders. says, my question is, is it time to give Rivers some respect and consider him one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC, maybe even a pro bowler? I feel like what he's been able to do with this offense has been remarkable. Love the pod and go Colts. Well, thank you, and congrats on the 200 bucks. That's a, that Boy, that feels good. Um, although I just said how you shouldn't bet for your own <laughs> team. So, Well, when you win, you should bet for your own team. Okay, uh, AFC quarterbacks, you know, obviously Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen, I would still probably put above Rivers. You know, everyone will say, well, wins matter. I mean, Deshaun Watson is a better individual quarterback than Phillip Rivers as well. But, you know, outside of that, man, it's um, he's got to be in that. Tannehill, probably Carr, is honestly in that group as well, in that group there. And just – just the fact, Chris, that we are debating him in the top five quarterbacks in the AFC, you would have signed up for that back in March. You know, I remember early in the year, one of our morning hosts wanted to debate with me that, like, he wanted to name all the AFC quarterbacks. And he rattled off, like, 12 or 13, he felt like were better than Rivers. And I'm just like, <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Like, this is so reactionary to one game. And the Cleveland game was not good. But for the most part, it's been better than 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 that. And he's given you what you needed. And and the efficiency is the word I always use, and that's what he's done. He's been a highly efficient quarterback for the majority of this season. So I'd probably put him just on the out. Like Mahomes, Allen, Watson seem like locks to be Pro Bowlers. Yes. I again I don't know. I mean, Tannehill, Carr, Rivers would be that next group, and I'd probably, uh, I'd probably put Rivers near the front of that trio. So, yeah, I think he's right there. Big Ben up there somewhere. Yeah, it hasn't been a great individual year for Ben, but, you know, when you're 11-2, and two, yeah, yeah, you'll be up there. And they were talking last night about how a lot of his plays this year have been all more dink and dunk plays. For yeah, Big and ben, so for many Big damn ben. drops for the Steelers. Yeah. God, it's painful to watch. All right, this one's from Mitchell. A lot of people say the Colts are a playoff team, but can but not contenders with Rivers. Say we re-sign him next year. What tools would the team need to be in Super Bowl talks? Okay, I I, I like this, Mitchell. So you bring him back. I think you need a healthy Campbell. And again, like I've said all along, I, I think it's a long shot. Campbell returns this season. I feel like we get that question a lot, so I just should mention every podcast. You need more dominant edge rusher. And you need some cornerback depth. I did find it a bit funny. Frank Reich says after the game, you know, I really believe we don't have any weaknesses on this football team. It's just kind of like, <laughs> geez, Frank, I mean, come on now. Did you watch your pass rush perform on Sunday? Um, but, you know, Chris, I think something, and again, we are recording this late Monday morning. You know, I feel like expectations for this season that we try to lay down on the pod is make the playoffs and win a playoff game. So the more I think about tonight, Cleveland and Baltimore playing, I think for the Colts, you want to get greedy. I, again, the Colts will have to fall on their face to miss the playoffs. Like, I really think they got to lose two games. So I say you want Baltimore to win tonight. Okay. Try and bring Cleveland back to you a little bit in the wild card standings. Because I think it's really important to be in the 4-5 matchup. I, I don't want to go to Buffalo. Don't want to go to Pittsburgh. Don't want to go to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Week one, if you get in the four or five, either you're hosting it if you win the division, or you're going to get you know Tennessee in all likelihood in that third meeting there. And if you're hosting it, maybe you get Miami or Cleveland, you know, as that four or five flipping it the other way. So I know that's kind of 
a little bit greedy. Some people just say, hey, let, let's just make the playoffs, and you know, you would want Baltimore to lose. That pushes Baltimore even further down the current rung. But you know, take a look at those AFC standings, folks, and, and, and get a little greedy. This is me talking. You guys can fully disagree with that, and I'd be fine. But I'm looking at what gives you the best chance to win a game in January. I think you've positioned yourself in the final three weeks to make the playoffs with a 2-1 and one finish. Now it's try and get that best matchup in, uh, in round one. Yeah. All right, Kevin, most of the Twitter questions thus far have been immediate, you know, going back to Sunday's performances and, and prior games. Now we're going to kind of dive into some, some futuristic Colts questions. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like it. So Wyatt kicks things off, says, okay, Kev, you have to rebuild the entire roster top to bottom, and you can only keep five players. Who are you keeping? Ooh, Wyatt. Five players? Five players. Brain Smith, Nelson, Leonard, Buckner. God, I'm shocked it took me that long to name Buckner. Um, that's four. Mm-hmm. Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, DeForest Buckner, and Darius Leonard. And uh, Pittman. Okay. You disagree with any of that? No, I thought you were going to say Eason. Just kidding. No, well, you know, <laughs> um, I, the name went into my brain for, for a split second just because I'm trying to go through all the positions in my head of like, okay, who are the young guys at these spots? Um, you know, the other name, Brian Kelly, you know, popped into my head as well. Julian Blackman popped in my head. If Campbell could stay healthy, that would pop into my head. That Braden Smith pick, I mean, going back to Costanzo's press conference. Dude, no-brainer. Yeah, Costanzo, unprompted yesterday, is like, which I, I think Andy Costanzo's great. We, we, we used to have him on our morning show back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I need to get the uh, Braden Smith campaign, Pro Bowl campaign going here, and – Man, he's so right. I asked Sirianni about him last week, and he was just talking about the strides he's made as a pass blocker. And you know, I mentioned him in that Pro Bowl article. He won't get it, but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a mention. Absolutely. All right, this is from Arcadius. It says I'm starting to warm up to the idea of bringing Wentz in next year if Rivers retires after surgery. I understand the flaws with Wentz, but he has. But I also believe Reich's ability to scheme wide receivers open call quick rhythm throws, and help a quarterback develop would be perfect for guys like Wentz. I also believe Wentz mobility brings in the ability to keep plays alive and give us the opportunity to run devastating bootlegs when teams overcommit to Taylor. Am I on to something, or should I force myself to watch Week 14 2016 Colts versus Jaguars again? Oh, my God. That sounds miserable. Is that <laughs> I, I think that's the blowout down there in Jacksonville. Is it? Mm-hmm. I think it is. Gosh. Oh man, um, no, don't do that. No, twenty twenty's already been bad enough. You know, we get Carson Wentz questions um, a lot, and as a matter of fact, one of our coworkers texted me during the podcast asking me about Wentz. I'm just like, oh jeez. <laughs> hey, w- w- I'm gonna hold off on like the big Wentz talk until the off season, Chris. I'll just say this: Frank Reich really likes Carson Wentz. Yeah, really likes Carson Wentz. Um, again, I'll get into that more in, in, into the off season, but um, that man likes Carson Wentz. He also likes Philip Rivers. Yes, he does. So, you know, it, it, it might come down to that that sort of decision, which is interesting. Isaac has a bit of a would you rather? Would you rather win the win the Jacksonville game 
and have an easy division win to lead to playoffs, but Jacksonville loses out and drafts Lawrence to be a contender into the division, or we lose both Jacksonville games and possibly miss the playoffs. <laughs> this is this is a wild one. This is um, this is such a fan question. Yeah, I love it. Um. I know I'm a big picture view guy, Chris, but I think it'd be so soft and so scared to like cheer for your team to lose and miss the playoffs. So I can't go there. It is, you know, just kind of wild to say. You know, the 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 Colts could play into Trevor Lawrence being a member of their football team, just like the Jaguars beating the Colts in week seventeen in twenty eleven played mm-hmm. into Andrew Luck, you know, being the quarterback for the Colts and being the number one overall pick and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, this is a uh, no. Now, I, again, I'm a big picture view guy, but I'm also a believer of that's so scared. Yeah. It, it's just, no, that's Isaac. That's um, that's soft, too soft, too soft. Cannot go there, but I do hear you. I do. I mean, hey, selfishly, as someone that like likes watching good quarterback play, I want Trevor Lawrence to be on the Jags. I do. I mean, I, I, I want to see Lawrence in this division. I want to see Watson in this division, and and <laughs> that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. That'll be competitive. But, again, I'm in the entertainment industry. From Ted, with as good a teammate and leader as he is, do the Colts try and bring Jacoby back as a backup? He definitely brings an element of energy and fun to the team. What are the chances the Colts have the exact same quarterback room next year? Rivers at twenty two million, Jacoby at four and a half million. Yeah, Ted, it's a um it's a good point. I like that you brought up the financials. I mean, these are some that's a massive pay cut for Brissett. Uh, massive. Um shout out to him, by the way, being Walter Payton Man of the Year. Absolutely. Nominee, incredibly deserving. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's getting in the public light this year, but you know, he's done just unbelievable work in both the Florida and Indianapolis communities. Um, well before this season. I'll go back to what I say about Jacoby. He's steadfast that he thinks he can be a starter. So that is the only way that I really think Ted's idea just wouldn't even come to fruition if he just simply says to the Colts, hey, guys, I'm sorry. You're going to bring back Rivers, or I know you're going to draft a young quarterback at some point. I want I, w- I want a better chance. Mm. So, yeah. But – I think the Colts will actually have the conversation about possibly bringing him back. Mm-hmm. All right, let's stick with the quarterback room. Eric says, after listening to the podcast, it seems clear that you clear that you believe, A, Rivers will be back next year, and B, the Colts will draft their quarterback of the future. With that being the case, was drafting Eason a waste of a draft pick? They had Rivers and Brissett, so obviously Eason wouldn't play this year, and if they bring back Rivers... Back with a rookie behind him, I'm not sure what Eason gives next year either. Should Ballard have either used the fourth-round pick on another position, like cornerback, defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver, or traded that pick? Well, let me start here, Eric. When I say the Colts will draft their quarterback future, no, no, no. I think the Colts should, not that they will. I think there's a chance that they will, but I'm more than they, they should draft the quarterback in the future. I do not look at Jacob Eason as a wasted pick at all. To me, Chris, when you draft a player with traits that you necessarily can't teach at that position and you don't have the long-term answer there, I'll probably never say 
it's a wasted pick at all. I mean, quarterback means that much, and he's got an arm that you can't teach. So, no, I, give me Frank Reich and, 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 and Nick Sirianni, that type of talent? No, 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 no. Um, so definitely not a waste, but you just never know how the draft is going to unfold. You know, fourth-round pick as your backup quarterback, that's fine. That is perfectly fine moving forward. Um, and no one was under contract. Brissett and Rivers, both free agents as well. So, yeah, I am uh, – no, I, I, I don't view that as a wasted pick, even though Jacob Eason has you know, played as much as you or I. All right, a handful of questions left on this pod's edition of Twitter. Questions, this one from Scotty. If Buckner continues his large impact for the Colts defense for the next eight seasons, where does Buckner stand on the all-time first-round draft pick for a player trade, in your opinion? Oh, gosh, Scotty. Boy, it would take me (laughs) months to research this. Yeah, what? I, I mean, hell, even some of the recent ones look pretty good. Mika Fitzpatrick and Jalen Ramsey and... I guess Cleo Mack maybe a little bit too much uh, given up there, but still, you know, some of those guys. Look, you know, I, I always think back to the Falcons trading way up to take Julio in the draft, I and mean, that was like a twenty to six, I think, dra- uh, trade up, and that's big. You know, I know that was for a drafted player, but still, that was huge as well. So, hey, Buckner, Buckner's been damn good. You guys know how I feel. He's been damn good. Um, would I like to have seen m- more production out of him in that group yesterday? Certainly. But um, he just – he does. He stands for a lot. He shows – he strikes me as a guy that will age very well. He will age very well and still play at a high level into his 30s. So that's huge as well. This one comes from Jordan. There are a lot of teams in the top ten of the draft with quarterbacks that they are going to move forward with. How much would it cost the Colts to get into the 10 to 12 range for someone like a Lance or Wilson if the top ten order doesn't change much? So, Jordan, off the top of my head, if you went from, like, early 20s to 10, you'd probably have to give up, obviously, your own first. I'd say a second and a fourth, maybe a little bit more than that. Okay. But, yeah. So, yeah, second, fourth, along with your own first. This is from Tall. Can you dive a little deeper into the first 15 scripted plays that coaches have to start the game? How do they account for penalties and or other unexpected down and distances? I feel like I'm a very knowledgeable football fan, but haven't been able to figure this out. Go Colts, go Irish, stay safe, and God bless. Boy, I thought Mike Bray's bunch were going to blow it on Saturday. I got nervous. I got nervous. Chris, I was yelling. I was yelling. <laughs> Thankfully, they got out of rup with a win, you know? The one in four Kentucky Wildcats. Who'd have thunk? Gosh, that's music to my ears. Um. Okay. This is a good point that Tall makes. You know, part of me believes it's like you have all of these situations in place and you just plug in the play when you need it. Like, okay, if we get to first and 20, this is the play. If we get to third and three, this is the play. Because you can't script it. What do you get 30 yards on the first play of the game? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I thought, what if you expected you were going to get three yards on the first play of the game? Like, it's impossible to just, like, play one, play two, play three. (laughs) Like, that is impossible to do that. So I think it's more of like, here's your second and long play. Here are your third and short plays, things like that. 
All right, this is from Matt, who just discovered the podcast this year. He says it's one of the things that makes him excited about his week. Ah, let's go, Matt. I speak for Chris and I and probably say it makes us excited about our week. Heck yeah. Says you, Chris, and your guest hosts do an excellent job, which I mentioned earlier. Love the guest hosts that filled in. Appreciate that. Question. Colts fans know just how great Kenny Moore is. The Colts team know how special he is. We often say he's the best or one of the best slot corners in the league. Do you think that's true? And who else would make the short list? You know, I mentioned Mike Hilton above. I, you call Honey Badger kind of that that slot corner. I don't know. He does so much, but I'd probably put him up there as well. I, I, I really do think he is one of the best because it's the variety of roles that you need to play. Sound tackler, excel in man coverage, play zone, and ability to read and react and be instinctive. And he just does all of that. Yeah. He does all of that. So... I'm a, I, I'm a firm believer he ranks right up there with anybody in the NFL, and, hell, I'd probably argue he might be the best slot corner. All right, to wrap things up for Twitter questions, this one comes from Colton. Knowing Ballard, do you think he will draft a quarterback in the first round and he will trade up, and who are some quarterback prospects that he should keep an eye on as a Colts fan? We don't really have a glaring need on the roster, and it would be insane not to have a quarterback learn under a Hall of Famer quarterback like Rivers. You know, Chris, I, I'd say the biggest trait is leadership. And I know that's very hard to evaluate. It's probably a little bit harder this year in 2020 with the lack of in-person scouting yeah. being done as well. But I think that is the most important thing to him more than – I mean, they are just – they are so obsessed with what Phillip Rivers brings their football team. Remember they talked about accountability? Mm-hmm. I think Rivers brings that. You, you needed to inject that building, that locker room with some of that. And I think Rivers commands – um, some of that as well. So, you know, I I, I really think, you know, a, a bit of a runner, obviously, would help or just a guy that makes some plays with his feet. I, I, I've said Justin Fields before. I think he's kind of the – would be one of the, the dream scenarios, but it's still very early for any of that to be talked in concrete-wise. And, you know – Glaring needs, I, I would probably push back on that. I still think edge rusher is a glaring need. And, you know, still, I think tackle depth is yeah. need. I know Quentin Nelson did it for, you know, a handful of plays, but you still need some depth on that O line and whatnot. Cool. Well, that wraps things up for Twitter questions. Anything, I know you already mentioned some of the stuff that's up on the website. Anything that our listeners should be keeping their eye on for the remainder of this week? Yeah, so um, every Tuesday morning we we post a playoff standings article with just scenarios in there, remaining schedules, playoff odds, all that good stuff. So check that out. I'll have that up early, early in the morning right after Browns and Ravens tonight. And then I am going to write something on Rivers later in the week um, just about the season that he's had so far. Mm -hmm. And then – you know, whenever the Colts play another AFC South team, rematches. So we'll look back on the meeting that just happened, Colts and Texans. And I mean, it looks like Watson's going to play. I saw he finished the game against the Bears. Got a little bit banged up, though. Um, but still, that is a team that is just – have they thrown in the towel? I don't know. Yeah, they're to that point, I think. You know. All right, uh, Chris, great to have you back, man. I love being back. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, We'll be back Wednesday afternoon, normal Wednesday pod. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week.